How's it going, everyone? Joe Gagne here. Welcome you to edition number 46 of Joe vs. the World. This is part two in our ongoing history of WrestleMania. We will be covering WrestleMania's 11 through 22, with probably a bit on 23. My guests today, as they were the last time, Justin Shapiro and Matt Foy. Gentlemen, how are you doing right now? I'm doing okay. Excellent stereo. So, it's the middle of March, and I don't know. What do you guys think of uh, the events the last two weeks? Well, um... I'm glad the war's over, for one. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's a... <laughs> yeah. Good thing, we, uh, good thing we got out of that one. Yep. Oh. And I learned what Arbor Day's all about. Mm. Well, anyway. We left off uh, WrestleMania 11. This one had the Lawrence Taylor Bam Bam Bigelow main event, the best celebrity match of all time, and a, a nice little world title match, indeed, against Shawn Michaels. And uh, besides that, not a whole lot. We were firmly in the new generation phase, and, and no one looks fondly on those days. No, they do not. No. Nope. It was, I think Matt might be in the same boat, but it was weird for people who, like, cut their teeth on the first half of the 90s WWF because we were pretty oblivious to the fact that business was in the toilet. Mm-hmm. Or, Matt, did you somehow have a, a cognizance of that? Could you tell? No, I mean, I knew that. I didn't really know anybody else who really liked wrestling at this point, like, but I thought that was just kind of a, uh, you know, something that happened as you got older. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, this was a, you know, this was a bottoming out for WWF as far as you know attendance goes. Uh, maybe not as far as ratings. I'm not positive, but definitely as far as attendance and just general revenue. But yeah, I just I didn't have any idea. It was just okay, you know, wrestling, whatever, yeah. same as always. But I think what. Uh, what I most remember about this show, I mean, this wasn't a show that I was, that I look back too fondly on, but, um, like, this is kind of a WrestleMania 2-ish type of thing where if you want to see what their priorities were at the time, you just have to watch the uh, intro to the show where um, they show highlights of the first 10 WrestleManias, but the highlights are just clips of the different celebrities. So this this was just a very, very celebrity-centric show. This was, they had a lot of just, people celebrities just wandering around in all the segments. Um, it was a new generation of celebrities. Yep, and uh, there, was just, there was just no focus really put on anything, the, uh, except for the Bam Bam match, really. The title match kind of was good just because it had to be, just because it was Shawn Michaels in a title match, and he wasn't going to let that be bad. But, they, you know, they, it wasn't really a match that they focused on nearly as much as they could have, considering the backstory with... Uh, Diesel and, uh, and Sean. That match always kind of, it struck me as screwy because you have the seven foot good guy fighting the, you know, six foot bad guy. It's mm-hmm. just, and I know Sean had Sid with him outside, but that's just, it was just, you know, it, just, it probably seemed backwards to anyone who ordered the show just to see LT. Yeah, and also, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much, pretty much what you would have, what you would have expected happened in that Sean really was getting over the big face and they actually, you know, turned him the very next night in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, maybe, you know, for all I know, that was by design. I'm not positive, though. But, uh, yeah, that was weird. Um, and then Bam Bam versus uh, Lawrence Taylor. Definitely, um, you, know, I, you know, I don't even know if it was the highlight of Bam Bam's career, actually, because he had some big matches in Japan also. But probably the highlight of Bam Bam's career in this country, even though it was, it was in a lot of ways the beginning of the end of his, uh, you know, his, his high-level career. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he did about as good a job as you could have asked for. Mm-hmm. Taylor, even though he was just the most exhausted I've ever seen anyone look after a <laughs> wrestling match, he uh, he did a very good job. Um, 
you know, good stuff surrounding it. They had the whole uh, Salt and Peppa uh, uh, playing Oh Peter the Ring. The, the, then they had like the Million Dollar Team, and then the uh, what was the uh, the All Pro Team? Was that what it was? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and the uh, I think it was the pro wrestling debut of Steve Mongo McMichael. Yeah, till he was uh, till he was um, stolen by WCW in a talent raid. Yeah, well, he was. If you watch the promos that he did before those show that show, like he was really wasn't natural as far as pro wrestling promos went. So yeah. I don't know if that's what got WCW interested in him or not. But um, but yeah, so that was good. Um, but yeah, the rest of the show, I mean, it was. Kind of, kind of the story for most WrestleManias from that era, and that it was like one or two really good things, or good things in this case, and then a lot of nothing. But I think this show was, was more than more than the others was like that. But there was real, like the, like one of the matches was uh, Jacob and Eli Blue against Luger and uh, and David Boy Smith, and like you know people talk about WrestleMania matches now like not being WrestleMania worthy, but that was that's just ridiculous. Yeah. And, um, Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund after they had like a 75-minute match at the uh, Survivor <laughs> Series through this year, just had this short little I Quit match, which where they pretty much didn't do much of anything. And Backlund's I Quit sounded more like, Rah! but uh, yeah. Other than that, not much to say about it. Bob Backlund's such a huge star at this time that the TNA has has gone back to him now, and it's really paying dividends. You know, this this show had Jeff Jarrett, uh, the Road Dog, Bob Backlund. Kevin Nash, all in TNA right now. Yep, hmm. and all uh, still huge, huge draws, much as they were at the time. Yeah, no doubt. I, mean, you know, I think for all we talked about, uh, low those many weeks ago at WrestleMania 10 being the big anointment of Bret Hart. Uh, really, that summer of '94 was the the only time they're really fully behind him. He's more or less always a bridesmaid. While Vince is looking for the next Hulk Hogan, uh, which like, throughout Bret Hart's career was Hulk Hogan himself, and then Lex Luger, and then Diesel, and they always go back to Bret. Mm-hmm. And then even uh, when they weren't looking for the next Hulk Hogan, there was a lot more emphasis put on Shawn Michaels than it was Bret Hart. Yep. yep. Um, but yeah, but this was yeah obviously another example of uh, Vince McMahon just changing his mind on you know how to promote wrestling, where he has the Bret Hart for good good six months in 94 and then just back to the back to the wacky and the uh the show busy type stuff in uh in early 95 and i i think wasn't it right before the show they had that i was a photo op or something where they were trying to recreate wrestlemania one by tying lawrence taylor and and diesel together the same way they tied hogan and mr t together i think like sean and and Bigelow double-teamed Lawrence Taylor, and then Diesel made the save, and this was supposed to give him the big rub and get him to take off as the next great man, but it didn't exactly work out the same way it did for Hogan and Mr. T. Didn't they have, like, an outdoor show in New York City, like, a couple days before, where they did that, like a free thing in the middle of the street or something like that? A public workout or something like that? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's May 11. Let's play a drop. Pearl Harbor job. Harbor job. Sorry, I cut you off, Justin. Please. Uh. I was cut off. That actually was yeah, a Pearl Harbor job. Wow. Will you stop? Um, yeah, Pamela Anderson, I think, was at the height of her popularity as a hot woman. Uh, I don't know. I hadn't exactly figured out what to do with that at that point Uh-oh. in time, but I know she's very popular. Uh, no, not... yeah, yeah, that's true. That's actually one situation 
since Mr. T, where they actually got a celebrity at the height of her fame. Yeah. Any more uh, thoughts on WrestleMania 11? No. In fact, I'm shocked we went this long on it. Yeah, I can't believe we spent eight minutes on it. But All right, WrestleMania 12, the Bret Sean Iron Man match. I have a confession. I've never seen this match uh, in full, or or I should say at normal speed. Really? Yeah, never have. Wow. It's just the whole, you know, face versus face, Iron Man, no pinfalls for 60 minutes. You know, just, ah, it's just not a good idea. Well, um, I watched this one live, so I don't, I don't, I think I probably have watched it, you know, in, you know, in full since then, but not too many times. Um, I know it, it was a very good match. Like they, um, you know, there are a lot, there's a lot of criticism that can be made about the booking, and you know how well they uh, they play to their audience, and it's all valid. But um, you know, certainly what they did in the match, their execution of everything was really, really good. Like these these two were such smooth wrestlers, and the finish was great. Um, but yeah, I think probably in retrospect, if they had just given them a match, like a two out of three falls match, or even just a straight one-on-one match, and let it go for a really long time, it would have it would have been a lot better. I think this was again another just complete a complete opposite uh, approach to uh, WrestleMania 11, in that this one they obviously did book this match to be the greatest wrestling match in WWF history. It didn't quite work out that way, but you know you don't book those two guys for 60 minutes and tell in advance if that's not really what you're going for. And the other thing is, this was like the beginning of like one or, another one or two WrestleManias where it just did not feel like WrestleMania at all. Like they didn't do, they didn't mm-hmm. put in any bells and whistles other than I guess the Ultimate Warrior's big return. Um, just hysterical in hindsight. Yes, it really is. But um, um, yeah, they, I mean, it was just it just what seemed like a you know a monthly pay per view, which happened to have you know those two big things the uh, you know the Brett versus Shawn match and the. Uh, and the Warriors return. And other than that, it was just, just nothing happened in the show. I, I guess the Roddy Piper versus Goldust match is memorable for certain reasons. And it, that was a pretty entertaining little deal. But um, otherwise, it was a pretty blase show. And to give it some historical context, Nitro is the first WrestleMania since Nitro started. And um, Diesel and Razor Ramon were finishing up here. Diesel did the, the big job. Although he he headlined the next pay per view to do to do another big job, and Razor Ramon was uh, coincidentally suspended for a positive drug test for the the only time uh, just before WrestleMania by coincidence after he'd already given his notice to go to WCW. Um, and they, they still got Razor back there in the next month to do a job for uh, Vader. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, but I, with the the main event, it, it was an, an artistic decision, I guess, and I don't know whether it would have been better. To do a no a match without an Iron Man gimmick and then go 60 minutes, or whether to do the Iron Man match with more than one actual decision. I don't know what would work better. I kind of wish they they could have done like um like a, a four way match and you had Brett uh, Sean like Diesel and and maybe Razor in there or or someone else maybe Vader I don't know Undertaker and, and yeah or I mean. Undertaker couldn't win, so I don't know if they were concerned about the streak at that point. They were. But I remember. Yeah, you you could have Brett lose to not Sean. You could have him lose to uh, Undertaker or something, and then have Sean overcome the odds and get that big win. I don't know. I just think that's just playing armchair Booker. Well, I think I'm sure. I think they honestly believed at the time that if they put Brett and Sean out there for that that amount of time, it really would be the match everyone hoped that it would be. So, I mean, you got to give them some credit for that. It was a they they had their hearts in the right place. Um, but. Uh, 
But yeah, I, I just kind of think, I don't know if going, uh, if putting them in a singles match and having them go 60 would have been better, but I think, you know, having them go like 40 in a straight singles match would have been fine. There was really no reason to do the 60 other than to advertise in advance that they were going to be going 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess it, protect, it protected Brett in some ways. Um, you know, I, I still think that the finishing sequence ended up being very good. It was a little bit weird that they didn't, they didn't do more after the... Uh, after they they went into the sudden death period, but um, and I, but I don't know. I, I think I, I still think that's a great match, just not what it should have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, finish with well, yeah, you'll you'll get people today who are just like, ah, oh, I can't watch that match; it's unwatchable. And it's like, come on, let's be realistic. It may not have been what what you'd hope in a sixty minute Bret Hart Shawn Michaels match, but it is pretty great. And uh, finish was designed to with setting up next year's main event a year ahead of time, uh, a Brett-Sean rematch, and actually getting to that rematch would kind of turn into a, a comedy of sorts with uh, it being postponed until eventually you get to uh, a somewhat memorable match uh, at Survivor Series. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to WrestleMania 13. This one is all about the Brett-Austin I Quit match, which, due to its awesomeness and its historical value, I say is the best Mania match ever. You can get it on uh, Brett's DVD and other places, so take a big pass because uh, this show ain't too good otherwise. True. <laughs> it's a good match. I agree. I uh, I would I would go further and say it's the best match in uh, WWF history. Um, just had so many things going for it. This was another WrestleMania, I would say, where um, there was very little in the way of bells and whistles to make this a special show. They kind of announced the uh, most of the card, you know, very shortly beforehand. Didn't didn't do a lot to promote it, you know. Brett versus Sean was I mean, not Brett versus Sean. Brett versus uh, Austin was just um, you know it was just it was going to be great because it was those two guys and they were like in certain ways they were both at the peak of their uh, performance power and um, you know just a lot of things a lot of things fell into place. Um, but yeah, a lot of things fell into place. So, um, at the same time, it, this was just right when Austin was really starting to rise, and he was just, just um, at his, uh, you know, just right at the boiling point where he was about to become what he really became. And Brett was, you know, brilliantly in the middle of, of slowly becoming a heel. And you had, um, you know, Kent Shamrock in there. I don't know how, if that really made a difference to how good the match was, but it was just another little extra thing thrown in there. But, yeah, the, the, the match had everything. It had the great... The great wrestling, the great brawling, the great heat, the great booking, um, the drama, the the most uh, dramatic bloody moment in WWF history, great uh, great uh, announcing, just a lot of things coming together to make that match a lot better than really really it even should have been considering the show that it was on. Hmm. And at the same time, it was kind of a, a bottoming out point. It, it kind of a, a bookend to WrestleMania 17, like far more poetic than you could really get in wrestling history. Where uh, it was, a, I think the what WCW pay per view happened that much that month? Uncensored. uncensored 97. And uncensored, I think, did a better buy rate than WrestleMania that year. Yep, yes, it did. Um, and then austin turns babyface and then you know they're they're on the path to their their big boom period the next year and then with 17 it's the the peak of everything austin turns heel in kind of a similarly laid out match uh and then that's the beginning of the big slide so you you really don't get that kind of 
uh, mirroring and novelistic uh, layout in in wrestling. Mm-hmm. But uh, and another misconception, which again it's easy to understand why, is that um, the Bret Michaels match was supposed to be for the belt, and then because Sean uh, lost his smile, LOL, um, and dropped the belt, that uh, that screwed up the big Bret Sean title match and uh, punished us with Undertaker <laughs> Diesel. But the reality is that Vince, as he is wont to do, actually decided that Undertaker versus Sid should be the title match, and then Bret and Sean were just going to have a grudge rematch. Uh, and I guess it, it's better the way it worked out, uh, I would probably say. Mm. Yeah, I would say the... Um, the um the two candidates for worst uh, WrestleMania main event or world title match. Let's see, I guess there would be three, but I think we can disqualify Hogan versus Andre just because of everything else that went with it. Went with it. But it would be either Undertaker versus Sid or uh, Sid versus uh, Hulk Hogan. So that's a good distinction for Sid. But um, this <laughs> one, this one went, um, you know, obviously went much too long. It was like 20 minutes for those two guys, and so not much going on. But it yep. did have the uh, the one benefit of Bret Hart um, in the you know um, furthering his uh, his heel turn, which he'd complete the next night on Raw, um, and uh, you know just running in, being really entertaining while uh, Sean was kind of being a you know a little prick on uh, on commentary, and uh, that was uh, so I, I thought that was one one thing this match had going for it. But other than that, it was just really ridiculous that you, you think that when you watch that match and you realize that was the main event of WrestleMania. Mm. There was a. I'm looking at the match times. The shortest match on the, the program was nine minutes forty five seconds. Rocky Maivia against the Sultan. There was a ton of long wrestling on this show. Yeah, there were only like seven matches, right? That's right. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, there 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 was one other match that I'd say that was that is that you could watch now and be entertained by, which was that uh that Chicago street fight with uh with uh, the Nation of Domination against the the uh, the, the Legion of Doom and Ahmed Johnson. That was considering like the guys in that match. That was a lot better than it had any right to be. Hmm. And uh, you know, I, I guess they uh, that was more of like a takeoff on ECW, where, where they did a lot more uh, you know wacky weapons and stuff. <laughs> and um, I guess this was, this was right around the time where WWF was still working with ECW. Hmm. And actually, you uh, you can watch some of the shows leading up to WrestleMania 13, and they're actually promoting Barely Legal in some ways more than they were promoting WrestleMania. <laughs> On some of the shows, so that shows you like where the, where their head was at the time. Yeah. But and barely legal had a similar deal with with Brett Austin, didn't it? Where they had the big double turn and they got scooped by this match, and, and no way could could uh, live up to it. That's true. And hmm. I think with the last this one and the, the previous year, you get the first WrestleManias for The Rock, Steve Austin, and Triple H, all three against some unusual opponents. Yep. I, and I think just one thing worth mentioning about this WrestleMania was, like, the WrestleMania itself, other than the uh, Bret Hart versus Austin match, is completely unmemorable. But this was a really important time for the WWF. This was, like, what, uh, two or three weeks after they started the Raw is War format. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, within a month or two, they would start producing, you know, what a lot of people consider and I consider to be a weekly TV that was much more consistent and much more exciting than what WCW was putting on in a lot of ways. And... um I think like this, like this, this era is is probably one of the most important periods in WWF history. Even though, like Justin said, it was kind of like the bottoming out before they really uh, 
they really kind of found what they needed to do. And the worst case scenario for this year's Undertaker uh, Batista match is, is what we saw there. I really don't think it's going to end up that way, but there is the possibility to end the show with, with Undertaker celebrating with the belt after a really bad, heatless match. Could be. Against a big stiff. <laughs> All right, WrestleMania 14, we are now firmly entrenched in the Attitude Era. This is a show where Stone Cold won the world title for the first time with uh, Mike Tyson, a special outside referee, enforcer, uh, whatever. People raved about this show when it first happened, uh, said it was one of the all-time great manias. I think it's uh, been dinged a little by history. I still like this show a lot. It's um, I don't know if there's anything really bad on this show, but there, there was a lot of good stuff, and you felt good about watching this show. And it also had Pete Rose uh, debuting. Okay. Well, um, I've heard Matt, you know, put this so perfectly so many times. He needs to do it here. Well, I think the uh, the like the thing you got to remember about this show is maybe because of just how WWF really learned how to do WrestleMania after, like, you know, in the two thousands. It doesn't look as good when you watch it now. But this show was so special at the time. Like it was like you you really can't imagine. Like there was just the way they the way they built up to it. Was I mean it had it had to be one of the best WrestleMania um, promotion jobs in history, just for for several different matches, um, the Undertaker versus Kane thing, obviously the whole Tyson Austin Michael thing, um, even the even the uh, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie against the New Age Outlaws, um, all had you know big angles to climax of the show, and they really they they put out they put it put out two like awesome career history videos on uh, on Austin and Michaels in the weeks before. And it was just a kind of a show where everything was culminating at this big show. And this is the first time in a long time that they really did that, because like I said, the, the previous two years, they didn't really have any belts and whistles to go along with the show. This year, they had a lot. And it was kind of different than the previous two years in that they didn't really have the one amazing match, but it was just really steady up and down the show. And there's a lot of atmosphere to it. The um, You know, the finishes were all pretty good, even the... Uh, even the kind of cheap uh, rock versus shamrock finish, which at the time seemed silly. You know, you look back and you say, like, well, that was that was really actually pretty brilliant with what they were going to be doing with rock. Mm-hmm. Also, this uh, this was the show where uh, rock debuted the smell what the rock is cooking line in a little backstage uh, interview, not backstage, a pre-recorded interview with uh, Jennifer Flowers. Although he actually said, "If you smell what I'm cooking." And cause I actually remember that because I, I found it weird that he didn't use the third person <laughs> at the time, but. Um, yeah, it was just kind of like it just—it was just such a pivotal show for them, and actually, in some ways, I think that even more pivotal than WrestleMania 14 was the Raw the night after, which—which mm. um, which I think, like, not from a wrestling standpoint at all, but in certain ways, it was the best Raw ever. Like, it really—it started the uh, Austin versus uh, McMahon feud properly, like it looking proper. They, uh, they McMahon officially turned full on heel and had uh, Austin arrested. You had the return of, uh, of Sean Waltman as X-Pac after, after Michaels was kicked out of DX. Um, you had uh, The Rock uh, usurping Farouk as the leader of the nation. Um, just so much stuff going on, and the crowd was just eating it up, and it just really, like, it was just such an amazing time to be a wrestling fan. In the spring of 1998, I would say, if you consider, like, both companies combined, that was just the greatest time for wrestling. Just because everything, everything was still felt like it was on the rise, and you know there, like you know there was there was stupid stuff and and bad stuff, but you know everything still felt like it was it was just going up, and there was just so much media about it. All the crowds were red hot for everything. 
you know, they were just doing so much right. So I think a lot, there are a lot of factors that made this WrestleMania better than it might have been just if you just watched it. Yeah, I mean, I just read a review of the show, you know, done in the modern day, where the the final assessment was kind of like, well, there are some good matches, but they're not that great, so, you know, whatever. But, I, I mean, just to get a show with a lot of good matches top to bottom and is was a real rarity at the time. Yeah, but not only that, but like, like I just said, like this show is about, I mean, you know, I guess to, to a viewer watching it now, that's all that really matters. But this show is about so much more than just the matches in the ring. Like this was really like the closest thing they ever came to another WrestleMania 1. And this is a lot better than WrestleMania 1. And um, they took it a lot more seriously. You know, they they, they had some ridiculous stuff. They had the, uh, the opening uh, tag team battle royal, which was really bad in a lot of ways. It was just kind of a mess. But even that, you know, had, had good crowd reaction to it. You know, this was pretty much the only WrestleMania where they featured, like, a, a big high spot, um, you know, light, light heavyweight match on the show with Takuma Shinoku against uh, Aguila. And, um, you know, pretty good match with uh, Triple H and Owen Hart, even, for the uh, European title. And, uh, oh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, uh, this was probably the best moment in, uh, in Sable's career. This was her first match. And, you know, people, I remember at the time, people watched this match, and, you know, Sable did a TKO and a powerbomb, and they were like, well, Sable is just a natural in-ring wrestling stuff. <laughs> and, you know, so, obviously, somebody did something right in booking that match, because she wasn't. And, no. uh, yeah, this, I don't know, I think this match had a lot, had a lot going, the show had a lot going for it. The show did, um, what, like, 800,000 buys, some ridiculously huge number that was, uh, almost, a, was it a record at the time? Yeah, it had to have been. Yeah, and and two weeks later they they broke Nitro's winning streak. So you know this was they did this show about as well as they could. Correct. Sort of trend, like, sorry. Uh, well, it started a trend I think where more or less for every year since then they either topped or got really close to setting the uh, all-time buy rate record, which mm-hmm. continues to this day uh, thanks to the, the international expansion. Okay. Except for WrestleMania 19. Oh, that's right. Hmm. And it, it also the first WrestleMania. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but where you do get the the entire card top to bottom, where almost everybody's in a well built program and all the stars are accounted for against another star. Yep, that's uh, that's true. Yeah, other than the first two matches, every match had a backstory, and you know people cared about it. Mm-hmm. All right, WrestleMania 15. Oh boy, this I remember. This was a show everyone tried to talk themselves into saying it was better than it was, but this is just really a bad show. I mean, there's some... You had you had Austin Rock in a good main event, but they went on to have much better matches. And uh, Butterbean almost murdering Bart Gunn was memorable. And But, you know, just a lot of bad, bad wrestling. And it, it did have a huge buy rate and hardly killed the, the company. But looking back, phew, P.U. Yeah, I agree. It's weird because uh, my... Remembrance is the same as yours, where it, for such a really bad show, it wasn't panned at the time. Like, the the reaction at worst was kind of like, well, that was a bunch of uh, weak matches, but I guess this is just what wrestling is now. It's uh, the, the complete vision of, of uh, Vince Russo, where it was kind of a, a three-hour Raw with uh, like a crash TV format on a pay-per-view with just angle after angle after angle. Yeah, this was a um, this was probably the show where I kind of decided that 
you know, I was just going to have to accept that WWF didn't really have any interest in doing, like, what I really wanted them to do at the time. And, you know, it was working for him, so whatever. But, um, you know, like, this was this was the peak of Vince Russo's power in the WWF. And, um, you know, even after that Royal Rumble a couple months earlier where it was just ridiculous overbooking, you know, I still was holding out hope because, you know, they did such a good job with WrestleMania 14. And, I, you know, in Austin versus Rock, they had that great little TV match in uh, November of 98 where the crowd was just going insane. So I just figured it was going to be, you know, going to be something special, but you watch this show, and it was so emblematic of the whole period where nobody cared about any of the matches, except for the main event, and even the main event, really, not nearly as much as you'd think. Um, there was just no emphasis put on any of the matches, and they were short, they weren't that good. Um, if they, like, you could watch, um, for example, Triple H versus Kane. I don't know, there was just, something was just really off about that match. I watched that match, and there was, I think they went about 11 minutes, and there was not one pinfall attempt that entire time. And then they just had this this nonsensical finish with China coming out and reuniting with Triple H. Mm. I'd say the, 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 besides the main event, the uh, in-ring highlight on the show somehow was Shane McMahon's debut match, or maybe it was his first singles match at least, against uh, X-Pac with, uh, with that finish where uh, Triple H turned heel and joined the corporation. And that was pretty decent. The main event was uh, really overbooked and not nearly what... I would, you would have hoped it would be, but that was all right. And then other than that, it was just awful, awful throughout the whole show. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Austin and Rock had, you know, the more famous matches at the uh, two WrestleManias later, but like Matt said, they not only that, they also had a great quick match in November, the night after Survivor Series, and a great match at Backlash the next month. So it was the... Uh, two-year trend of this year and the next year where you wish the Backlash main event had been the WrestleMania main event. Yeah, this was one of the um, the only WrestleMania since 14 where it just seemed like they kind of didn't try. Mm. All right, on to WrestleMania 2000, in the year 2000, of course. Uh, this one was, again, widely praised, and um, I think time, it's been hurt a bit in time, and also the decision to put Triple H over in the main event. And like Justin said, this is something where you wish the Backlash main event uh, the month uh, following, which was uh, Rock Triple H, was the WrestleMania main event and not the not nonsensically putting the big show and bringing Mick Foley back a month out of, out of his retirement just a job again. Yes, Matt has a high spot for this one, which he has planned to, to sigh, correct? So please do. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, WrestleMania 16. What the hell happened there? Am I right, folks? Boom. Nailed Ooh. it. He did. Uh, did. But really, uh, and Matt and I are of the same mind on this, so I'm probably going to say exactly what he would have said. But uh, yeah, Joe's right in that uh, when it first happened, it was kind of like, well, we expected that to be great, so I guess it was, maybe? Even though, uh, in hindsight, it was not, in fact, great and kind of, if not one of the worser WrestleManias, just because, you know, we've seen what happens when a WrestleMania has, has nothing going for it. Uh, but it was definitely the most disappointing. Mm. I mean, the WWF put on an amazing show, the Royal Rumble, No Way Out, and then after this backlash and Judgment Day, and you had this kind of in the middle of this great show sandwich. So you just kind of like, well, these show, other shows were great. WrestleMania must be great, too. Yeah, yeah. That, that was kind of what, like, that like what the hell happened here was kind of referring to, like this was 
I mean, nobody like we haven't mentioned it yet, but this was the hottest period for the WWF in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, everything was clicking on all cylinders. The ratings were through the roof. Um, they they finally officially with the uh, jumping of Benoit Guerrero, Malenko, and uh, well mainly those three, but also I guess Saturn and Jericho earlier. The arrival of Kurt Angle on the scene instantly becoming awesome. The Rock was becoming a lot better. Triple H became great. Um, you know, this was this was when WWF had it all. They had the great wrestling and the great angles, and the great heat, and the great the great booking, the great interviews, great everything. And, um, you know, the, the shows were just, especially in February of 2000, and then, you know, April, then after this show, too. But, um, and then just this show, just somehow in the middle, just, just did not work out. Like, this, it wasn't like 15, where I, where I think they didn't try. I think they, they did honestly try, you know, that uh, Benoit, Angle, and Jericho match. You know, it was obviously put on there to be a great match. The main event... You know, I mean, I could have seen that being a great match under other circumstances. Obviously, the Hardys, uh, Edge and Christian, and the Dudleys. You know, they they had they still had a great match for what it was, but uh, but you know, they had much greater potential, which they would meet later. Um, and uh, they'd already had a great series of matches, so you had no reason to expect that it wouldn't be great. But I think there was it was a situation where they just crammed too much stuff on the show that didn't really matter. I think mm-hmm. the only singles match on the show was like the Cat versus Terry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything else was either a, a tag or no. I'm looking over the results. I don't see a straight up singles match. Yeah, Definitely. and they had that. Yeah, they had that hardcore battle royal. Just a lot, like yeah. just too much thrown on the show. And I think it was a kind of situation where the popularity almost hurt it. In that this show was in uh, an Anaheim, and a lot of the crowds were just kind of people who just came to see the big wrestling show who didn't really get behind anything, didn't really care. So. um so the crowd heat, I think, really hurt this one. I'd say the most of any WrestleMania since uh, since probably the Trump ones. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't know, just it was. I mean, also also you got to look at the main event, which was um, just you had you had your pretty much your your one of your two hottest baby faces, or one of your three hottest hottest baby faces ever. And in certain ways, your hottest baby face in The Rock, your hottest heel ever, I would say without a question, in Triple H at the time. But instead, the ending of the show was all focused on the McMahons. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I guess Vince was the hottest heel ever, but in terms of as a wrestler, Triple H. And, um, you know, just, I mean, wasn't there like a, like a seven or eight minute brawl, like in the middle of that, of that four-way between Vince and Shane? And then Vince came out and turned on The Rock, and, it, and then just the, the final spot was, was The Rock giving The Rock bottom to Stephanie, but that didn't really... Yeah. Make good on what happened on that in that match. It was just too long, you know, the wrong finish, the wrong crowd. Just, uh, yeah, not not uh, not what it should have been, and it really sticks out like a sore, a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. Major downer of an ending, not just with uh, the Rock losing and the, and the heel going over, but they also brought Mick Foley out of retirement uh, three weeks later, or maybe a month later, just to lose again. Uh, kind of in a blasé fashion. I mean, granted, he he had mentally retired and wasn't expecting uh, to wrestle here, but uh, and famously kind of blew his big high spot and actually accidentally dove rib first into the table. Uh, but even then, like the finish for Mick Foley would just put over a hundred and two classic matches and like went out on the highest high note imaginable for a career came back again, and what, what did he really do here? He he soccoed Rock and then dove into the table and then just kind of lost uh, in 
boring fashion. And that was that for the big McFoley retirement. Yeah, it's sad that the really reason that he went out, that he came back, was just to get uh, the four McMahons in every corner thing. Mm-hmm. But there, there were a lot of people convinced, and I think I might have even been one of them, that Foley really did have a chance to win the title and, uh, you know, just has, as a final feel-good moment. And then because they even, they even gave a contingency plan on TV where Linda said if Foley had won, there'd be a tournament for the title, mm-hmm. which at the time, I don't know, I guess was appealing to some people. And, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was, it's good kind of in retrospect to have that precedent of that the heel can win the main event of WrestleMania, but at the same time, it was really unsatisfying. Well, that's kind of been the, the fact that we have two, I guess, three world titles now, and the fact that you can have the heel win a world title match, but it doesn't have to end the show. Mm-hmm. It's kind of rendered it moot. Right. right. Well, on to uh, better things. WrestleMania X7. Uh, best WrestleMania ever. Best WWF show ever. This show is, is so great. It's um, well, would have the best main event ever if Vince McMahon wasn't in the ring at the end. And kind of the... the, the Kind of, kind of the sad ending in a way. This was the end of the boom period. Things kind of really fell off after this. But just, I mean, it, there's some. If if you like wrestling, you'll find some kind of match to like on this show. Yes, it is awesome. Um, if this show ended with a um, clean finish after a stunner in the ring, and then Steve Austin celebrates in Texas uh, his world title win after coming back from his broken neck, uh, I. It, probably be the highest high point in wrestling of all time instead of just maybe the greatest show regardless so it doesn't really have the same emotional i guess joy for lack of a better word that you really want in a uh in the perfect wrestling show mm. yeah I, I wouldn't say it was the perfect wrestling show because i mean there are little quibbles you can make like little things that weren't so great but absolutely i think uh as if, if you can get a consensus on anything, it's that WrestleMania 17 is the greatest WrestleMania of all time. They, uh, you know, after the first hour, which was just all right, they just had one amazing thing after another from Benoit, to, from Benoit versus Angle. Where they, I mean, it's just crazy to think that those two guys just went out there for five minutes and just did like amateurish mat wrestling stuff, and a crowd of like 70,000 people just did the old like old like indie high spot like applause thing for them. And um, and then they just they just continued to have another great match. The finish was a little bit a little bit too screwy for the match they were having, but you know still awesome, awesome, awesome match. Um, Vince versus Shane was just one of those you know like sports entertainment booking masterpieces. Yep. Which um, you know and the, both both those guys were tremendous. Uh, Shane's uh, Van Terminator that he did um, the big spot with Linda slapping Vince or kicking him in the groin or something. Yeah, yeah, kicking him in the groin. Trish slapped him. So that was great. The um, they, uh, the Hardys, uh, Dudleys, and Edge and Christian had another one of their classic uh, TLC matches. Um, Undertaker versus uh, Triple H at the time was kind of a controversial match because some people really hated it because it had that stupid spot where you can clearly see Triple H getting choke slammed off of that that thing onto uh, onto a mattress and then Undertaker diving onto him. But also, he, the the ref bump for like oh yeah, the ref bump minutes. for like forty five minutes. <laughs> And that had a, the, you know, the heat was great and the finish was awesome. Hmm. And um, and then, you know, what can you say about Austin versus The Rock? I mean, probably would have been the greatest WrestleMania main event of all if it had a different finish. And I guess you can argue that, like, you know, I'm sure some people now would argue that the finish was great for storyline reasons, but if you look back, it didn't work in really any possible way. Like, I, lo- I loved Steve Austin in 2001 as a heel as much as anybody, but it was just it was just the wrong move. The people didn't want to pay their boo Steve Austin. And, um... 
and you know that match is going along so great, just the drama and the heat and the you know the reversals and just just everything about it was was so amazing. And then you had that finish, um, but but you know, it didn't didn't really taint the show. You know, you could argue that it tainted the match a little bit, but still the greatest show of all time. Yep. You really see their their roster come to fruition here in the way it didn't the year before because. Uh, like Matt said, what what completely changed the product was was adding the the big WCW guys, uh, Jericho, Benoit, and Eddie. All Eddie didn't really contribute until he came back after his firing. But um, and at the same time, as Kurt Angle uh, comes into his own really quickly, at the same time that uh, Hardy's and Edge and Christian uh, take off, at the same time that Rock improves, at the same time that Steve Austin comes back healthy. Uh, and it's great, and at the same time, the, the Triple H is, is at his peak, so it, it just all materialized here perfectly. And you got to remember something about Steve Austin was that it's actually pretty remarkable what he did. Like he was for you know during his hottest period in '98 and '99, he he really you could see like he he worked his ass off. Don't get me wrong, but he really protected himself in what he did in the ring, and his and his style was a little bit stunted because of it. But um, he had that neck surgery. He came back and just um, he uh, he had like you know like for the first couple of matches like he had a he had a match with Rakeem where he was clearly protecting himself on pay per view and then one thing cage match on Raw where people were actually just saying you know what you need to just retire because you can't do it anymore. Then I think it was when when everyone really noticed like hey this is different was the night after Survivor Series in 2000. He had a match with Benoit. Where he uh, where he just did like much more technical wrestling than he'd done in years, and he, he he took a lot of German suplexes, and it was like wow, you know, like this is this is going to be different. And then then he just went on the biggest tear I think he probably ever had in terms of like sheer number of great matches. Mm-hmm. He uh, he had the great uh, the great match with uh, Triple H at No Way Out, then the match with Rock, then throughout the year as during his heel title reign, he just had so many amazing matches. And I think this was. You know, this was in a lot of ways the culmination of Steve Austin's career. You know, even more so than the uh, than the Bret Hart match, even though that was a better, more historic match. Like this was just in front of that huge crowd, and he was just he was performing so great at the time. And I, you know, like like Justin said, I can just imagine what it would have been like if he had just gotten that big clean finish in Texas to just have tie a bow on his affair. Yep. And yeah. like you said, starting with the Benoit match, and then you had the the Kurt Angle match uh, at the beginning of January, which is also great. Uh, not just this show is a great show, but uh, the two before it is probably the greatest three pay per views in a row in in WWE history. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then Backlash brought that to a screeching halt, sadly. But also, I think for the last three years, or the two before this one and this one, everyone would. Um, especially this year, people were really hoping and kind of expected Triple H to make it a three-way, and happily he didn't. Mm. Whereas the year before, they did change the match into a multi-man for, uh, to its detriment. And the year before that, at 15, they were going to add um, Mankind to the main event just because he had been so hot then with uh, pretty much for the same reasons they added him the next year. Uh, and then, but eventually thought better of it. Due, ironically, to Shawn Michaels, who was retired at the time, saying that he, Shawn Michaels, thought it was um, it was wrong for a WrestleMania main event to a WrestleMania title match to be have three guys and not be a one-on-one classic <laughs> match. 
and uh, thankfully he he uh, he's been consistent about that. Yeah. All right, on to WrestleMania 18 or X8, I guess, as uh, they return to the Sky Dome in Toronto. This one's all about uh, The Rock and Hulk Hogan, and well, I'm sure we'll talk about that in depth. But the problem with this show, so much of it, it just seemed like it would have been out of place on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, um, I think this is this is probably Justin and I's favorite show to rebook because it just had so much more potential. Hmm. Like, um, I think though the big one that, that that we've always talked about, you know, probably since the show happened was instead of doing uh, Kurt Ang- and Scott Hall against um, Scott Hall against uh, against Steve Austin, was just to do the final climactic match between uh, well maybe like an I Quit match or something like that. And just have that be like the real classic wrestling match on the show, and then just do Call versus Kane or something like that. I think yeah. probably Justin had some other ideas too, but that was the big one. Like you know, you could just see the show changing so much if it just had like a real epic blow off Kurt Angle versus um, versus Steve Austin match, mm. which was also the contingency plan in case Scott Hall got fired, which they more or less expected him to have been fired by then, and he'd be fired like six weeks later. So it, it really is a shame that this uh, WrestleMania was marred by that. He was also, Austin wanted to work with Chris Benoit, which again may have been perhaps better than Austin versus Scott Hall, but Benoit wasn't uh, wasn't ready to come back yet. And uh, so Kurt Angle was the backup in case Scott Hall got fired, and it's too bad that he didn't. <laughs> NWO coming in really screwed up that show. Although, well, I mean, when they first signed him, it was like panic because um, they uh, would, you know, everyone expected them to not last, or they expected it to last longer than the, the one month or so that they were together and kind of dominate the promotion the same way they did in WCW and completely bring down the work ethic and the. Uh, tradition of great main events and things like that and thankfully it didn't do that but it did take this show down yep yeah and I think um, I think they expected more out of uh, uh, Triple H versus Chris Jericho although you know I don't know why uh, they would consider how badly they'd killed Jericho before that yeah that's kind of their own fault yeah also they um, also Triple H was um, you know he just did the wrong thing when he came back from that uh from that injury, he just got much too big, and it was just night and day between Triple H in 2000 and Triple H in um, 2002. Yeah, and uh, the match, no one cared at all about the match. It was kind of sad in a way, and, you know, we had other stuff. I mean, we had Kurt Angle against Kane, and I remember they had a better match on SmackDown than yep. on WrestleMania, which is uh, not good. Just stuff like Edge and uh, Booker fighting over shampoo, the, the shampoo commercial. Right. Just, you know... Just uh, could have been so much more. Well, I will say, I mean, Hogan Rock, it was not the day after the show. People were, well, some people were in euphoria over it just because it was pretty unique. And, you know, people were calling it five stars or four stars. And and while it's obviously not that, um, it was really a a whole lot better and more memorable than than we expected going in. And we've seen Hogan Rock when it it doesn't work out like that, when they had the rematch. and, And thankfully was not that and saved the show and maybe um, clouded people to think it was a great show which it, it may not have been but that match definitely uh, delivered and then some yep for being not, a, not a great technical wrestling match but I, I'll, I'll 
I'll never forget watching that and being like, you know, holy shit, what's going on here? And yeah, you you, know. uh, you can't uh, you can't knock what what happened in that match. Like that was no. as good as anyone could have hoped for. And uh, they, um, yeah, it, it was it was another situation kind of like a Hogan Warrior where the booking really helped a lot. But I think the crowd was the most important factor in making that match as special as it was. Mm. And it was part of a run for The Rock, who you know for such a short career in the grand scheme of things, Rock headlined. 15, 16, 17, and then this, 18, and then 20. So in five out of six years, he headlined, like, the five biggest pay-per-views of all time. Yeah. And um, and then the other match I think that we should mention as far as good stuff on the show was uh, Ric Flair against The Undertaker. That's true, although that, that match always kind of... I know the, the the result was kind of inevitable. Ric Flair is age, you know, and the Undertaker and his streak was more important. But just the storyline. I mean, Undertaker did everything to Ric Flair. He kicked the shit out of his kid, left him bloody, and you wanted to see Ric Flair get revenge, but you know, you knew it just couldn't happen. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and I, I almost, I think I almost half expected Ric Flair to win in that match, because just because of how the storyline went. But you're yeah. right, you're right. It wasn't, it wasn't a reasonable expectation. But just the performance those two guys gave, like I think that match, they were. There was a lot of like split feelings on how good it was. Yeah. But I, I'm more, uh, I fall on the side that think that it was a really good match. You know, the Ric Flair gave a, a great performance. The Undertaker was was great. They had a little. They, they, my favorite spot was uh, Arn Anderson just popping in out of nowhere and giving Undertaker the uh, the spine buster. Yeah. And but yeah, the finish was was pretty uh was pretty sad. Like I, th- I think what happened didn't didn't like didn't he try to get. Uh, flare up for the last ride, and he slipped, so we just gave him the tombstone. Oh, I don't I remember that. Right. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right. It, um, but it was psychologically backwards. It was still a great match, but I didn't didn't take her pick him up at two, despite the fact that he was winning the match anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So I mean, he spent the whole time goading him into fighting him, fight, and then he Ric Flair got his revenge and stood up for himself by losing. But <laughs> I guess that's the story of Ric Flair in in the WWF. Yeah, and really, really like, in WCW too. Yeah. yeah, Ric Flair. I mean, now like, oh no, Ric Flair jobs. He, he's ruined. Mm-hmm. Not not of that situation. And Ric Flair could have won at this point. It 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 would have actually maybe been nicer. Like the streak would have ended, but the streak actually didn't exist yet, really. It was just kind of something that Jim Ross would bring up as trivia. Mm. The, the streak really didn't take off until uh, 20. 20, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, was, it wasn't a selling point yet. Right. Yep. All right, WrestleMania 19. Um, this was a point where, like, they've really been on a roll of good WrestleMania since this one. And there was just a lot of good stuff on here. It was a Safeco Field. Just, you had um, Shawn Michaels... Chris Jericho, you had the Brock Angle main event, which Brock fell on his head. The final Rock Austin match, even Hogan, uh, Vince McMahon, although that went like 21 minutes, which is a little crazy. Lots of good stuff up and down here. A little, you know, first part of the show, a little middling, but once you get going, this was this was really one of the probably one of the top three WrestleManias. Yeah, I would say so. I'd, I'd probably put it at uh, probably number two behind 17. Um, it's interesting when you think about it because. If you look back at this time, like 2003, this was probably in some ways just like the deadest, like not the worst, not not even close, but the deadest that the product was in terms of there was really nothing that people were really hot about at the time. Like even if you watch the show, it's just nothing that people were so, so into. But they still had the great roster and they put together the right matches for this show. 
And I even think that the like the dead part at the beginning, which has become kind of standard for WrestleManias, was a lot shorter than most of them. I think the one the one sad thing was, um, you know, just how much better would this show have been if um, the Matt Hardy versus Rey Mysterio opener had gotten like 12, 13, 14 minutes instead, instead of, of the five and a half it did. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think that would have put it over the top as far as great matches go. Yeah. But um, had the, the three way with the three way with the women, which was you know a lot better than most women's matches on pay per view were. And then um, I guess the, it was kind of a waste of Benoit and Guerrero in that really short yeah. three way, which is another match that could have been great if it had gone longer. Like what they did in that match was very good. And then after that, you just had this run of just five really good to really awesome matches. You know, this Michaels versus Jericho was Michaels' first display. You know, in a non gimmick setting that he could still really go. And and Jericho was you know at, at top form as a heel, and that was a that was a really great match. I just remember being uh, being mad that uh, Michaels won that match. Although looking at both men now, you know, it's yeah, not that it, bad in hindsight. It's funny in retrospect because at the time it seemed like Shawn Michaels, who this was he was he wasn't working house shows, and this was only his fourth, I think, Matt, or fifth maybe. He had three, two against Hunter. He was in the Royal Rumble, sort of, and yeah. he was in the Elimination Chamber. So Shawn Michaels was like a, a part-time attraction at this point, and Chris Jericho was theoretically the, the guy who, who should be headlining. So when Michaels won, it was like, ah, oh, this is a calamity. You know, yeah. he needs to be establishing the guys, and yet Shawn Michaels spent the next um, four years headlining, so really he, he should have won. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, I just remember the, the Triple H Booker T storyline where they did the, the racial things and then realized that Goldberg was coming in so they didn't want Triple H to lose so after saying all these bad things he went on to beat Booker T so yeah although I have my doubts honestly that Booker T was ever really going to win even though Goldberg wasn't going in but um, the the way that the the way this match ended up like it was just crazy in that you know not only did Triple H go over after that crazy storyline that they did but like the way he went over where he hit the pedigree and then he kind of like lied, laid there for like thirty seconds, ten seconds, oh, that's whatever. Right. And then he pinned him. And like you know, they could have at least done like one pedigree near fall if it was going to be delayed, and then maybe have Triple H hit another one yeah. for the win. Like, but that was kind of like a burial. And after that angle, that was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. But um, you know, the the last three matches were all really great. You know, you say you say that Hogan versus Vince for twenty one minutes was was ridiculous, but at the same time, if you watch the match, it wasn't really anything where you could say it would have been so much better if it was shorter. They really. Yeah. Did did a great job with that entire thing. You had the uh, surprise Piper run in, and also that that visual of Vince coming up from behind the apron with that is just the crimson mask, as they say, and just this completely demonic look on his face. Yeah, that uh, that definitely goes in the book with uh, with Hogan versus Warrior as the booking masterpiece. Mm. And um, you know, in certain ways, in certain ways, Austin versus The Rock had the kind of finish that you wish that. Uh, 17 would have had maybe since it was Texas uh, Austin should have gone over in uh, at 17 but I mean it was, it was a very simple match if you think about it and Rock really carried it because you know the backstory on that one is that Austin was hospitalized with a I think it was like a heart attack scare the night before after taking too much yeah. ephedrine or something something like that yeah he had a panic attack at worst yeah or at best I'm sorry yeah <laughs> at worst um, but but so also Rock you know it's really a show like you know, how good he really was. You know, and a lot of more people give him credit for it now than they used to, but he was, he just became so good, and he really just totally carried Austin through that match. You know, and a lot of what made the match great was just really the reversing and, you know, hitting of um, the big moves and just kicking out over and over. Yeah. But they just did it so well. They did all the little things right, and the crowd was just going nuts near the end. 
And this was the the show they did the documentary on, which they showed on UPN, and I remember that being real good. And didn't uh, didn't the Rocks say thank like like after the pinfall, Rocks like thank you to Austin for all he'd done, and it was just like you know, aw, right? So, you know, that, yeah. that made it even better for me. Right, it was, that was a great moment. Okay, but I mean, while it's the the best, uh, one of the two best wrestling cards. In fact, mm-hmm. I think Matt, you have calculated this is the the highest star rating average for any based on Dave Meltzer ratings for any WrestleMania. Is this correct? Yes. Okay, and but unfortunately, or well, I mean, they kind of deserved it. This uh, broke the streak in a bad way of uh, the record-setting buy rates, uh, which picked up again the next year with with the help of. Um, international buys but uh this did really bad and they kind of brought on themselves because it was the the first of what's become kind of an annoying trend of vince mcmahon matches is the the most heavily promoted wrestlemania match which kind of happened again last year and this year oh this year i mean no i'm complaining about some of those builds which were good but uh making vince the 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 main event of wrestlemania is kind of uh annoying but the one thing that you notice is that even when they do stuff like that, where they kind of book an oddity match as the most promoted match of the show, they're still, you know, they still usually want to go with the the big title match between the two, you know, top wrestling stars or just, you know, two wrestlers at the very least in the main event. Like with this show, like I, there's nobody that could argue that the main event in terms of promotion was uh, Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar, but they still put him in the main event. And they still gave him a lot of time, and they those two guys had a great match. And of course, one thing that I'll never be able, no one will ever forget about that is the finish. I remember when I first saw that when Brock hit for anyone who didn't see it uh, went for the shooting star press. It pretty much landed right on the top of his head or his forehead at least. And then, um, like I know, I thought that he was completely done because that's a lot of weight to land on your neck. But with, but then he he got up, hit the rock bottom. But you could, not the rock bottom, the F five. Excuse me. And then he was so confused. He <laughs> but you could see afterwards, like he was just like he was bleeding from the nose, and he was just in such a daze. And like I, even still at that point, was worried that it might have been more serious than just a concussion. Like he might have had I don't know internal bleeding or something like that. But that was a really scary moment. It was funny. We ended the match more afraid for uh, for Brock than Kurt Angle, who right. had like a, a whose neck whose head was about to fall off basically from his uh, his neck. Yeah, on the internet, that was actually the big story going into WrestleMania 19 was. Kurt Angle, because there was like for a few weeks, people thought that he wouldn't like they would have pulled they pulled him off the show because it came out that he had that really serious neck injury, and they were they were thinking of who was going to be the replacement. I guess now people know that it was probably going to be Chris Benoit, and um, but then at the last minute, you know, Kurt lobbied, and we understand now why he did that to uh, actually <laughs> be put back in the match, and I guess this was the beginning of everyone realizing just what a nut Kurt Angle ended up being. Yeah. But um, he, um, but yeah. So so the big the big thing everyone was just praying that nobody like became paralyzed or died in this match. And it, as it turned out, if anyone was, it was uh, going to be it. And it was Brock Lesnar. But thankfully, it just ended up being a pretty minor concussion. Although Kurt didn't he go into shock afterwards? Oh yeah, that's correct. That's yeah, right. that, that actually is true. So. Mm-hmm. so yeah, it could have been a lot worse considering he mm. was wrestling with a broken neck. And taking bumps on it and just doing everything he normally does. Hmm. It made a lot more dramatic live because F, with every bump Kurt Angle took, it was like you were just, you know, you were gasping. And he yeah, that's kind of bad drama, though, not like the, like, oh, oh, no, can, he, can he win or like, oh, is he going to die? Right, of course. <laughs> 
which now seems kind of commonplace as every Kurt Angle match oh. could go through that, but at the time it was a novelty. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, actually that match wasn't, it was a, a last second decision to let it go last. Hogan and Vince was going to end the show, uh, and Dave uh, was even alluding to that in his preview about uh, Hogan ending the show posing. Yep. All right, on to WrestleMania 20, back to Madison Square Garden. Um, I'll just say this had the best main event. Uh, from a wrestling standpoint, probably from a, a uh, like a, a gratification standpoint for me and probably many others, the there was a lot of good stuff on the show. But the problem, and they they learned this, they learned their lesson was that they tried to cram everyone onto this show. So we had two four ways for for the respective tag titles and a cruiserweight gauntlet that ended up meaning absolutely nothing. But what was good here was real good, and this is uh, this one's up there as far as WrestleManias go. Absolutely, and. Um... With not only the show itself, which was great, although it had a lot of excess stuff that you you would want to maybe leave out, but the TV turnaround before this show was a lot like the one that's going on right now, where, uh, I don't know, it, TV in, at the end of 2003 wasn't really as bad as it was at the end of uh, last year, but um, this is maybe, aside from uh, the whole greatness in 2000 and then the build-up to SummerSlam 2002, it was maybe the most entertaining TV they've put on in the, the three months leading up to this. Yeah, it was uh, a great build-up. I was, I was as excited for this pay-per-view as I had been for any show since, like, I don't even, since probably WrestleMania 17. Maybe SummerSlam 2002, but I think even more for this one. I mean, just think about how crazy it was at the time to realize that, the the WWE title match at WrestleMania 20 was Eddie Guerrero defending against uh, Kurt Angle, and I mean this this was just one of the most surreal periods ever watching WWE because you had Chris Benoit getting this like as big a push as like big a one night push as anyone could possibly get by entering the Royal Rumble at number one and winning, which was just unheard of, and then Eddie Guerrero winning the WWE title on on the main event of a pay-per-view. I don't think he'd ever, ever even main evented a pay-per-view before that. No. And no way out. And, like, all of a sudden, it was just everything was turned on its head. And I think it culminated in, to me, my favorite, absolute favorite pop moment as a wrestling fan ever with uh, Benoit winning the uh, the the world title, beating, making Triple H tap out in the main event of WrestleMania 20 in New York, which is kind of like the home of, like, WWE as the big man territory. Hmm. And you know Benoit Guerrero, like it's just like you know, like it's just it's just so crazy to think that Vince Man did this because I mean it was really nothing but a really nice gesture because I mean with Guerrero it's like the people demanded it kind of like he was so popular like they had to do something with him. Yeah. With Benoit it was just like you know there was no there was no real business reason to do this for him, but it but they did it and it was just great. I mean like and what what made the main event so great. Like, I always say that I kind of smarked out as opposed to marked it at the end because, like, there was nothing, like, it wasn't the culmination of a great storyline or anything that made it such an amazing moment. Like, yeah. everything that was great about it was absolutely 100% real. It was, you know, this guy who had been, you know, these two friends, really, but especially in Benoit's case, since that was his moment, really. Like, this guy who had just been, you know, put, held back for years in WCW, you know, just been kind of like the underground favorite for, for years and years. And just you know, get, you know, gave an amazing performance any time he had the chance to. And then you know, after one of his greatest performances, is pretty much given the biggest moment that any wrestler could have, which is the WrestleMania main event win. That's that's pretty much the uh, you know prestigious moment of the year. Mm. And um, I don't know, like, just, like there was really no matter what had happened on the rest of that show, like that pay per view, 
will always be one of my favorites. But I'll say, like, the, the rest of the show, I, get, I do think it's one of the best WrestleManias. I'd probably put it at number three. You know, it was kind of like four in the sense that it just went on forever. It was the longest WrestleMania, I think, four and a half hours. And, um, you know, had lots of filler. But the big difference is that the crowd was into it and, like, the high points. Like, they, they were, there were high points sprinkled throughout the show. I think it was really smart to put um, the Jericho versus Christian match and the Rock match, even though it seemed weird at the time, on very early in the show. Yeah. But, you know, there was a lot of disappointing stuff. Those two tag team title four-ways were insane. Like, to, to put it out there, like, they were just ridiculous. Um, that Cruiserweight open match could have been so much better. They just had, like, a bunch of two-minute matches, which I guess they just did again at, uh, at No Way Out. But it, for some reason, it was worse at WrestleMania 20 when they did it. And then, you know, you, also, you still had The Undertaker. His return was one of the... was probably either the biggest or the second biggest draw on the show. And... Um, but yeah, so I think all that put together makes this like a really special show. I mean, for all the talk in some of the recent uh, WrestleManias when they have all the um, headliners on two brands who need to be, you know, have their egos satiated, and they say, well, this WrestleMania has a uh, groundbreaking eight main events. But this show actually did have five main events, and they were all, I mean, the, the two title matches were actually uh, the... the um, Took a backseat to the the Undertaker match, the uh, Rock and Sock match, and the Goldberg match, which started out as kind of getting pushed as the main event, and was actually built pretty well on TV until Goldberg kind of, he, I think he ran out of dates that he was obligated to do or something like that, and just kind of disappeared. And then we all know how it how it ended up. Yeah, I think I think you said this was like the biggest ECW crowd there ever was, the way they kind of shat on both guys. And that was just a surreal match. And, and I remember Stone Cold getting hit in the head with a beer afterwards, too. It was just like bad night for all three guys. Yeah, although Austin didn't see much the worse for wear. He just seemed like he got a kick out of it. Yeah. But, um, just... like, you know, like you could argue like this was like this was a great moment in the way that the crowd reacted. But, I don't know, I was kind of annoyed by it. Because I think these two guys really could have had a good match. I don't know if they would have anyway, because maybe they just did not give a crap. But... The one chant that really annoyed me was uh, you sold out at Brock Lesnar, considering he did the exact opposite of selling out. Mm-hmm. That's true. Although, Brock's done enough bad things, so I don't feel too bad about that <laughs> chant. Yeah, true. And uh, I'll, just, I'll just remember, um, I don't know if you, how, you, how you watch this pay-per-view. I was with friends, and we were just all freaking out at the end when Chris Benoit got rid of Shawn Michaels, and then he almost walked into a pedigree where we were just like, oh, God, not again. <laughs> but then... Turned it into the crossface where all like scream and tap at the screen Triple H tapped and it was like God damn you know wrestling wrestling is good yeah it's like but it's another situation where I think even Benoit said this it's like he did not believe it would happen until Triple H actually tapped out and I was the same way like I knew Benoit was going to win but at the same time it was like I knew he couldn't because it's Benoit and it's WrestleMania 20 but yeah I mean they really played you like a fiddle and it was. It was just perfect. Like I can't, I can't rave enough about that moment. Like people now, or even at the time, actually argue about, you know, how good that match really was. But I don't know when you when you get those three guys in there and and the finish is as dramatic as it was, and it was just such a as perfect a moment as it was. Like that's one of my favorite matches of all time, and I would say top, probably top three match WrestleMania matches for me ever. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, as we've been pretty much saying the whole time, it's it's preposterous that it even happened. Because, I mean, like, Ben winds up with this uh, dream push that I don't think even people on the Internet who are Chris Benoit proponents would have even bothered suggesting suggesting for him. And 
Um, like, really, he was only in the spot because Triple H needed somebody to work with and have good matches with while they waited to build up Randy Orton some more as his great uh, opponent. And, um, the, and, and as Shawn Michaels, staying consistent, uh, thinks that uh, WrestleMania title matches should be one-on-one and <laughs> don't need to be three ways. But I mean, like we were annoyed actually when it happened because he kind of made Benoit look like a, a goof in the build-up. But uh, I think we'd all agree it was actually for the better when it was all said and done. Yep. And it, actually, if you want some historical context, I believe if I can bring it up, I have a quote from uh, my colleague Matt here made moments after the show, oh. in which he told me that, uh, <clears throat> and I quote, "I want to have sex with Vince McMahon, <laughs> sex." Every kind of sex, end quote. I was a very big Chris Benoit fan, and still am. I hope you were drunk at the time, too. Let's say that, yes. You were drunk with happiness. Yeah, let's let's say I was drunk. And lust. All right. WrestleMania 21. This one, they, they learned their lesson. They stuck, uh, they cut the, the chaff, so to speak, put everyone in a dark match battle royal so everyone could get a, a payoff but not be on the show. And for the first, you know, Five matches or so. This was looking like the best WrestleMania ever. You had first Money in the Bank match. You had Ray and Eddie in a pretty good match. Uh, Undertaker and Randy Orton in a excellent, like a very good match. Like very surprising. He had Kurt and Shawn Michaels, and things kind of fell off a cliff when Nakabono showed up. Almost like the the demolition against Tenru Katow match, just for the what the hellness of it. Yeah, this uh, this show definitely showed the importance of pacing. Whereas the WrestleMania 20, they like I said, they kind of sprinkled the good matches like in the middle, then later on. This show, they just crammed everything that had the possible potential to be good in the first two hours, and it was like the best in your house ever. And then it just like it just like they just had nothing for an hour with that with that uh, Piper's Pit with Austin, yep. and then the the Cena match with JBL was just it was crazy how little effort they put into that match. Considering, I mean, I don't they couldn't have not realized that Cena had more of a future than. Batista did just just for age purposes, even though Batista was hotter at the time. But like I don't know, they just like that that was seen as big coronation of his first title win, and they just didn't put any effort into it. Yeah, it was an annoying trend, uh, not just that year, but then the next year, where for all anyone says about SmackDown being the B show, you'd never think they would go to the point of limiting their title matches at WrestleMania to sub ten minutes. But yeah, pretty much the last two years. But they did pull a, a Bret Hart Lex Luger uh, because the, the build-up going to this was uh, Randy Orton in Batista's spot and uh, it wasn't working out whereas meanwhile uh, Batista was getting very over making uh, I guess annoyed uh, facial expressions <laughs> during evolution skits and that somehow led him <laughs> not just to getting the spot but actually one of the, the, the great uh, by the books uh Breakups and, and match buildups that, that WWE has done this century. Ever, really. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that show was going to be drastically different, with, including something we haven't talked about yet, but it was the, the original plans were Randy Orton, Triple H, and then the SmackDown main event would have been Undertaker versus Kurt Angle. Hmm. And uh, that changed for the better. With, uh, spoiler, Shawn Michaels and, and Kurt Angle having one of the, another one of the great WrestleMania matches ever. Correct. And uh, one thing I, I find interesting about this show is that whereas at WrestleMania 22, like, every match sort of was gimmicky, this show they didn't really have any, like, brawling-type match on the show. And I'm really surprised because 
like, I would have figured anything, you know, I would have bet anything that they um, would have put out a lot of plunder and blood and all the drama and the overbooking for Triple H versus Batista. Because I think it could have used it because, I don't know, like, Triple H must have just gotten a big ego and thought, man, I'm going to carry this guy to this great straight-up wrestling match. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't. And they ended up having a great, great brawl, like a shockingly great brawl at a Hell in the Cell a couple of months later in a, a Vengeance. As did Cena and JBL, who did the same thing at Judgment Day, and when you know going into this with his ten months or whatever he spent as world champion, or eight months maybe, uh, JBL main evented uh, by having you know walk around brawls with all the blood and uh, the the um, false finishes and interference from his cabinet and things like that. So you would expect to do like if you're going to blow off the JBL title reign, which which people didn't really like at all when it was happening, although by the end he kind of got pretty amusing. And then to end it like this with just a, a straight, heatless match with no frills was pretty surprising. Yeah, I still, for the life of me, can't figure out that decision. Like, um, I don't know. Like, this show would definitely be remembered pretty differently if it ended with a great brawl between one of those two combinations. I mean, I guess Batista and Triple H had to finish it, considering the, uh, the build-up. But if they had just done a brawl and it it ended up being nearly as good as that Hell in the Cell was, this probably would have been considered the best WrestleMania ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the Rey Mysterio WrestleMania curse continues where he is expected to have a great match and then it ends up disappointing and way shorter than expected. Yeah. Yeah, he's had some bad luck. Well, not a, not an issue this year. Well, I should uh, should mention this is uh, the last WrestleMania for uh, Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. And, um, and Chris Jericho. Yes, and well, Chris Jericho, knock on wood, perhaps may have another oh, one. Christy Hemme, probably but, not. Yeah. Chris but, um, but yeah, just um, a, a, a very, a, definitely a show that if you if you just sit down and watch the first two and a half hours straight through, you will think this is an excellent, excellent show. Yeah, um, really like the argument between 17, 19, 20, and this comes in like how much you value the, the great matches and you kind of expect them to come in in threes with, like, 17 had the the Austin match, the uh, TLC, and then the Benoit match. 19 had uh, Angle, Lesnar, Austin Rock, and Michaels, Jericho. 20 had the two title matches and the Evolution match. And then this one, we thought that the ladder match and then the Undertaker, or I'm sorry, the Sean angle match would be two of the awesome matches with, with Ray and Eddie, but uh, and only two of those came to fruition. Yep. All right, the last one, WrestleMania 22. I remember people were kind of tentative about this one going in, but when it was done, people were like, you know, damn, that was a good little show. And uh, it really was. It was a lot of, I thought, a you know, surprisingly good main event, John Cena, Triple H, um, you know, another uh, Money in the Bank match. Let me see, the Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon, No Holds Barred, which was something else. Edge and McFoley in the hardcore match. There was some, uh, you know, some middling stuff and uh, a really bad boogeyman match. But, uh, you know, thumbs up show. Yeah, I, I, this was like my, um, this is probably the low point in terms of, like, WWE, like, really interesting me. Because just, like, the direction they were going in. But, you know, where it's, it's kind of rebounded a lot in the past few months for me. But um, as far as what they were trying to present, this was about as good as it could get in terms of booking and the crowd and heat and just, like, everyone having a great performance. There's one really frustrating part about the show, which uh, I think Justin was the most frustrated person about, so I will let him talk about it. Uh-huh. Well, if you had 
uh, my instant messaging transcripts from the time. You can see me uh, maybe with crybaby emoticons <laughs> and, and things like that. But, yeah, um, definitely, like the Cena-Hunter match, I really liked it. And we didn't have a lot of expectations for it going in because, you know, Triple H by this point was not a great carrier of men and, and Cena was uh, in the, the midst of the, the crowds turning on him. So that combined with, you know, them being matched against each other and not a very good build to the match, not a, not much of a build to anything on the show except Vince Sean, and then they ended up actually delivering one of the most satisfying finishes to any WrestleMania, really, with, with Cena overcoming not just Hunter and making him tap and leaving the, the, the jerks in the crowd with those dumbfounded that their guy. Um, so that kind of made up for what had almost ruined the show for me a few minutes before when... Um, the other title match, which um, was scheduled to go about 20 minutes, and I think they cut that in half or something like that. And for them to do that to, to what was should have been, and I'm sure the guys going in thought would be a, a classic match, and they certainly had the talent to do it, and the match as it was laid out looks like it would have been really great um, if they had been given the time, I mean the Angle Orton Ray match, obviously. Uh, I think the what happened was the Vince Shawn match ended up going way long, or just when when these shows happen, everything kind of adds up until you're way behind. And I think Hunter and and Cena was given like 30 minutes allotted, and then including entrances, and the SmackDown match was given 20 or 25, and so they knocked a whopping five minutes off of the Cena match and cut the three-way in half and made the equally baffling decision to preserve uh, the Candice Michelle Tory Wilson <laughs> match, which was another eight or ten minutes that could have been given to the SmackDown match because obviously you have to get that on the yeah. show. So that was really annoying, but once I got past that, it's a, it really is a good show top to bottom even if that match didn't deliver as much as it could have. And if you um, if you really think about it, like the, um, if you watch it back, the... Uh, Angle Orton Mysterio match, like for a nine minute sprint, it was pretty awesome. Like as far, like, oh yeah, they just they just did they just did all, everything in their arsenal. They just went at a much faster pace than pretty much any WWF main event I can think of. And um, and there was there was one uh, disappointingly blown spot where Rey Mysterio tried to go for that um that outside of the ring ring post six one nine where he where he oh, flipped, yeah. but he, he recovered pretty pretty well. The, 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 big, the big disappointing thing about that match for me wasn't so much that it wasn't as great as it could have been, but it was that it made Rey Mysterio's title win a lot more anticlimactic than it should have been, much like Cena's the year before. As in that, it was just kind of out of nowhere, whereas you'd really like it to be you know, a big deal that he finally won the world title. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, they, um, it was just a really well-booked show, lots of high points. It was a little bit gimmicky for my taste in that like, so many of the matches you know, had like, some sort of wacky thing going on. But they were they were all done really well. The, um, you know, Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon was another one of you know those matches where it was just like, just like the just perfect like sports entertainment. And yeah, um, Shawn has a remarkable track record since his comeback of having uh, classic matches at these shows. Um, and, I mean, that match wasn't as good as the three he had before that, but it was about as good as you could have hoped for, and then then some. Yeah, he is. Uh, he really is. Like, just in terms of in the ring, like it's it's completely official now. It's he, he's Mr. WrestleMania, no doubt about it. And uh, you know, I expect that trend to continue. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, John Cena and Triple H coming out in costume 
prior to the main oh. event, Triple H dressing like um, Conan the Barbarian, and then John Cena coming out. I, the, the wackiest video played, comparing him to Al Capone, and in the words of Brian Alvarez, this means he is an illegal bootlegger, so you should cheer for him. And he came out and fired a gun, and it was just it was just the the wackiest thing, and you know that just made it even better to me. Yeah, I, I almost felt like Triple H's thing was so over the top and so campy. <laughs> he still had his with water the, bottle. With, with the, the, yeah, the fur, and he came up in the big throne <laughs> from, like, Craft Castle Grayskull. And, um, like, I just thought, like, then Cena would just come out, like, straight up, like, you know, um, you know, just no frills and just come out there and beat the crap out of this guy to uh, throw a full of himself. And so, you know, believe it. <laughs> but instead he had, like, an equally ridiculous entrance so I don't know what was going on. But this is also, like, the, the weird thing that I remember was the debut of um, uh, ring introductions in the ring. Oh, which yeah. I, which I, I think they pretty much stopped doing that, but, you know, maybe they'll bring it back for this year's WrestleMania. But, um, but yeah, other than that, uh, very good show. I couldn't believe that Undertaker was actually still able to do that uh, tope, and he did it he did it over the casket. I like He's a, he's a ridiculous athlete that he can Didn't, still do uh, that. Didn't Mark Henry, like, not bother to catch him on that? I don't remember that being a good landing for uh, for Mr. Taker. <laughs> He's had better ones. Yeah, I'm sure he has. What this show was for me was like a, a comforting reassurance that no matter how uh, half-assed WWE TV and booking and all of that might get, uh, at least they will still put together a good WrestleMania. Uh, like when, when they go back to having like a WrestleMania 13 where they really dropped the ball like that, that's when we should really be worried. But, yeah. like, this show had a pretty mediocre build-up and they ended up putting on what was still a really good show. Uh, we, are we excited for this year's WrestleMania? I know I am, because they've done a... Really, a, a, the matches they've announced, they've done a real good job building it, and I'm really interested to see what happens and where they go. Yeah, the card... The TV has been great. The, mm-hmm. the build of the two main, ev- uh, two main events has been great. The card doesn't look like a slam dunk, all-time great show, but it certainly has the potential to be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely really excited for it, and it's you know it's really it's 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 amazing how excited everyone is, can just considering how little we know about it really so far. Like it's obviously going to be a four-hour show, but there are what five matches announced so far, um, and really yeah. the the only ones that you really would like anticipate being a very good wrestling match is of course Shawn Michaels and Cena, mm-hmm. and then I guess the ladder match, which could also be a mess considering yep. the, a lot of the guys in there don't really. I mean, some of the guys do, but a few of the guys don't have the ladder match experience, and there's going to be so many guys in there. But um, yeah, other than that, like you know, it's really just been all about the build up, and they've they've done a as good a job as they've done in years for two main events in that build up, and hopefully that'll continue because they still have plenty of time to screw it up. Mm-hmm. But um, and really three main events. If you talk about Trump versus Vince, that's uh, yeah. quite the uh, quite the brilliant little attention grabber right there with the with the haircut match. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see what they do to fill out the card. Do you think they might actually uh, go with something like uh, Eminem against London and Kendrick in a title champion versus champion match? Because if if uh, Eminem wins the tag team titles, obviously. But because um, I think that would be another uh, good wrestling match to round out the card. Yeah, that would be a good match. I don't know. I think uh, I don't think poor Paul London. I think the only time he appeared on WrestleMania was when he was like playing video games with Orlando Jordan at twenty backstage. Yeah, yeah, in WrestleMania twenty. I think uh, right before the little bit, which we didn't mention, which was I think was awesome when uh, Eddie Guerrero was walking around back backstage, and then he went into Benoit's locker room and gave him a pep talk. Yeah. But um, when um, 
when as he was just walking by, he was just like, oh, hey, Paul. Yep. So that that was London's WrestleMania payoff. But you know, I think those guys are are pretty old, pretty overachieving as far as um, tag team champions. I don't think anyone expected them to do as well as they did. I think by the time people listen to this, they'll have the fourth longest tag title reign of anyone in uh, in WWF history. Well, just because you said that, uh, Deuce and Domino are going to win the titles this week on SmackDown. Fuck. And depending on um, prime time. But yeah, I think you know, considering how like considering how well they've done, they pretty much never get put on any major shows, and nobody even thinks about them. So it's kind of sad. Yeah. But um, yeah, I can't even imagine how they're going to fill out the rest of the card. Well, every time they add a match, it's not exactly a real boner-inducing one, because uh, like the start the, the top three matches, which have been going really well, but then it's been. Um, the money in the bank, which could go either way. I mean, hopefully, you know, they have a lot of good guys and will lay it out smartly, but I'm kind of just really curious to see how that goes. But after that, uh, Kane and Kali, which... Be, <laughs> Can't wait. Yep. Um, then Ashley and, and Melina instead of uh, Mickey and Melina, which maybe is a good thing for, for Mickey's well-being, but yeah. not going to be good. And... Um, Benoit MVP, which I'm sure will be, you know, fine, but not what you'd get out of Chris Benoit, although you really wouldn't get it out of him anyway because if they're not going to give him any time, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, And the ECW eight-man tag, which I'm sure will <laughs> get a lot of time. So. That'll get – that may be like a WrestleMania 10 where they just they just cut it. <laughs> well, I hope if, they, if they're going to do that match, they at least make it like ECW rules or something so you can get like – some entertaining, like, plunder spots or something out of it. No, they're going to need plunder for the Lashley-Umaga match, so this will be a straight-up tag, and uh, no one will care. Is Lashley-Umaga, uh, does it have an ODQ step? No, but I'm just guessing they'll probably make it that way. There'll be a lot of, I think with Lashley and, uh, to a lesser extent, Umaga, they, they'll need a little bit of help for a yeah. big match, so. Yeah, uh, Umaga's been pretty good, but I don't think he's that good. That he's going to get a straight-up match out of Lashley right now. Yeah, so. I still think whatever happens in the post-match is going to be wildly entertaining just because, you know, I mean, Vince McMahon is one of the great TV performers of all time. I mean, we get kind of sick of him and we know about, you know, some of the decisions he makes uh, with regard to business. But on TV, he's uh, phenomenally entertaining. I think they... Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say I agree. I can't wait to see him totally flip out. I don't know whether they're going to shave his head while he's still conscious or maybe... Trump will bitch slap him, they'll shave him, and then they'll do the, he wakes up and finds a mirror and uh, flips out. Well, he has to do the kicking and screaming as he's dragged to the, uh, as he's dragged into the chair. That's true. That's all, and strapped in. But um, I think probably would have been better off if uh, they had just stuck Kali on a color commentary for the whole show. <laughs> that should be a pay-per-view option. You hit a button, you get Kali commentary. <laughs> but um, as far as the ladder match goes, you know, as we, as you might have noticed by us talking about them, throughout the show or just by watching WWE ladder matches. WWE has a ridiculously good track record as far as ladder matches go. Like, yeah. All of the major ones have been really good, and um, you pretty much don't get that in any other promotion. Like all the ECW ladder matches, there weren't really that many memorable ones. WCW didn't have too many. Um, no. TNA, not really. But WWE, for some reason, they just always get it right with the ladder matches. So hopefully that will continue this time. And, um, and other than that, yeah, I... I, like I said, I have no idea how they're going to fill four hours. Yeah, I hope they dedicate the ladder match to uh, Bad News Brown, who did invent it, but uh, they won't. Yeah. All right, this is approaching 90 minutes as a recording session. Insanely long, but we have covered almost a quarter century 
of wrestling history. I'm wiped out, but very excited for uh, this year's WrestleMania. I think I have one drop I didn't play. I'll play it right now. 360 over the top. All of them. All right, do we have any final thoughts here before we wrap this up? Uh, WrestleMania. It's a pay-per-view event. Yeah, it is. It's arguably the granddaddy of them all, which is what uh, this particular show is going to be known as in about 20 years as we're going to do this once a year every year. Yeah, I could see that happening. Or not. All right, well, I want to thank you both for being on. Always a, a, a fun time with both of you on. Uh, I'd like to remind everyone we're starting the countdown to our 50th show, our big birthday party coming up uh, in April at some time. That's going to be a hell of a party, so I encourage everyone to stay tuned. Please visit thecubsfan.com or joeversustheworld.com for a full archive of all our previous shows, including all of Justin and uh, Matt's prior appearances. I guess that's everything. Any final words? I'll just say thank you for listening, and I hope it's been as fun for you as it was for me, and hopefully the other two jerks. And uh, other than that, uh, enjoy WrestleMania. Yeah, enjoy WrestleMania, everyone. Justin? Justin, dead. All right. Dead like many WrestleMania participants over the years. That's a great way to end. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. I will talk to you soon. Man.